Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. Today's episode of the A-Game Podcast is brought to you in part by Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. If you go to nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the ways to add on to our social media and to see what's going on with us and with our company and with our properties. And you will also see under affiliates a link to getting discounted CBD from Naked Warrior Recovery CBD owned by a Navy SEAL, William Brandon Halling out of Hawaii, living the life out there, starting a great company. I've sworn by it a million times, but to me, CBD is absolutely a miracle drug. If you have taken legit CBD, not the gas station crap, for 30, 60 days straight, every single day, whether it's topicals, drops, gummies, whatever it is, they have all kinds of different things on that site that are some of the best quality CBD that you could take. All of a sudden, a lot of those aches and pains and joints and inflammation and just nagging things that you didn't even realize you could get rid of will just be gone after 30 to 60 days. It's the craziest thing. So jump on that site, look around, support your body, support a Navy SEAL, support a good cause, support yourself, and put in promo code AGAME at checkout to get 20% off anything and everything on that site and uh, do your body good and serve a good uh, Navy SEAL model American right there. Also, if you're looking to get into real estate, jump on nicknicknick.com. Get our free ebook, How the Coronavirus Has Changed Real Estate and What Every Investor Needs to Know in This Market for free by jumping on that site and seeing all different ways that you can get involved in real estate right now. So whether you are looking to just get in, whether you're already in, you're looking to scale up, whether you're an expert just looking to branch out or team up, let's make this the year that you start to do it. Jump on nicknicknick.com or jump on nicknicknick.com slash links to see my social media and connect with me through that site or through any of my social media links. And let's either find a way for me to sell you some good properties, whether they're rentals or fix and flips. I can buy some properties from you, whether they're rentals or fix and flips, or we can figure out a way to partner on some multifamily deals, partner on some land development deals, or just figure out a way to get you better returns, to get you in the game, get you some assets, get you some stuff on your books and really start kicking butt and taking names in 2021. You will only regret that you did not do it sooner. Real estate is there. It's been waiting for you. A lot of you have been wanting to get in. That's part of why you're listening to this. Let's not let another year go by with you not taking any steps. Let's get the conversation going. Find me, contact me, and enjoy this episode with my buddy, Javier Hinojo. He's in a mastermind with me, a couple of them actually, I think, and he's just a good dude. You will see his energy. You'll feel his energy. You'll hear our conversations, and you'll hear just how fun and easy he is to talk to. And I really had a great time talking to him. He was so easy to talk to. The hour absolutely flew by. I could have talked to him for a lot longer. Um, just a good guy. I, I like his energy. I've been a fan of him since the day I met him, uh, about a little over a year now. And it's really awesome to see a good guy like that just go out there and kick butt and take names. So I'm proud of him. I'm excited to see. And I think you guys are going to love hearing his success story. And hopefully it inspires you to go out and create your own. So thank you very much to my buddy, Javier Hinojo, for jumping on this podcast spending some time telling a story. I think you guys are going to love it. And uh, we got some great guests coming up. I've been having some major issues with computers and phones. I'm almost uh, through the woods on that with my two down laptops and a crapped out phone. So I did miss my episode this week on Thursday. I apologize. I had a pretty good treat going, but hopefully we're back up and running now with some really great guests and some great episodes that are coming out starting right now with Mr. Javier A. Hinojo. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Javier Hinojo. He is a friend of mine and a fellow uh, mastermind guy. We're in a couple of uh, masterminds together, uh, had some dinners together, shared some information together, and now we're doing podcasts together. So I'm excited to have you on. I'm going to let you tell a little bit about your backstory, but we were just uh, talking a little bit prior to, to recording, and you are at 459 units in the last year and a half and are on course over the next couple of months to double that amount uh, it's pretty impressive, man. To give people a little bit of the 30,000 foot view of uh, who you are in your background. Cool, man. I uh, appreciate, appreciate you having me on. It's such a pleasure. So hey, I started real estate five years ago, did single family for four years. 
And then about this time last year, which is about 12 months ago, uh, switched over to multifamily. So we'll be at, we're already at 459 actually within 12 months. So um, we got another 411 right now under contract, but you know, under contract, right? We got to make sure they close and a whole bunch more in the pipeline. So staying busy, just big picture right there. Man, was it a year ago already? Where were we? We were in Salt Lake? Yeah, no, we're in uh, Park, Park, City. City. Park City. Park City, yeah. Yeah, it was this actually this time last year. Man. This time this time last year when you and I met, I had a big goose egg, man. That's so crazy, man. I remember sitting with yeah. you guys at dinner at that restaurant, and then I was talking to Moo on the other side, and he was talking about, uh, I think you guys were getting into some stuff in Oklahoma, had yeah. some stuff in Houston, and it's amazing, man. That's one of the yeah. coolest things. And we'll, we'll talk about masterminds and stuff, but just oh yeah, seeing the journey, you know, it's, it's, it's so crazy to just watch what somebody you're sitting next to do, which is to backtrack that, you know, I, I thought it was interesting because I was listening to a couple other interviews with you. And I know that initially coming through the residential side, which where most people I think start out there, but you came through similar to the way I did that. You went to one of the gurus, you came through rich dad, poor dad yeah. and signed up for their big package course. And I, I did the same thing. I came through as a student of, of one of those. I didn't know any better. I paid a bunch of money. Everybody said I was crazy, but I mean, look where it, it got me. It was a huge part of where I, I am today, learning yeah. what to do, learning what not to do. And one of the things that you just mentioned that I think is, is very relevant is people say when you go to those courses, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying there's not a bunch of bad ones out there. There's definitely shit out there, but there's some good stuff yeah. out there too. And when you go and you teach those classes, you go and you sit in those rooms, there's people sitting right next to each other. And it was always amazing to me how somebody like you or somebody like me sits in a class that half of them walk out and they go, that's a bunch of crap that doesn't work. It's all a scam. I'm going to go do something else. And the other half take the same exact information from the same exact three days and literally change their life. It just yeah. blows me away. And to me, I, I think it's just a mindset because it's just resources. And I see people that come into those rooms with less than other people and do better. And people that have everything going for them, that go home and they don't do shit. What was your, how did you find that and get into that? And what was your initial, um, perspective of that whole world when you first because i think a friend dragged you there or something right yeah yeah for sure my buddy he's a chiropractor here here in raleigh he actually picked me up and he took me there and that should have been clue number one i like to have my own <laughs> my own ride i want to leave yeah i'm real particular with my time i don't like to you know waste my time you know like it's not you wasting somebody's time you're actually wasting their life right it sounds 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 it's deeper when you say hey don't don't waste don't waste my life right anyways so uh, he picked me up went to the course it was supposed to be two hours it was three days and uh i'm sitting there like 35k i, I don't remember what it was I'm like man that's a lot of money you know we shouldn't do it and i mean i didn't want to do it but my buddy's like yeah, i'm gonna do it I'm like oh, okay man we'll split it right so we ended up splitting it and uh information overload you know like 12 classes you gotta take i mean we didn't even know where the heck to start but you just gotta take action and you gotta take that kind of that leap of faith and just just do it right uh i didn't have the analysis paralysis right i mean right away we were on our first like two weeks. It was a 12 week beginner's course, right? Introduction. And we had a property under contract, right? We didn't know what the hell we were doing. We just had it <laughs> under contract. Let's go. You know, I, I think that's really the biggest thing is people tend to overanalyze it. Obviously there, there's a, a double-edged sword to doing that, but I'm the same way of just like start pushing through it. And I talked to Tim Bratz about this, who actually was another guy who went through that same, that same thing as yep. part of another one of our masterminds. But I think he's like hall of fame for them or something like that. Yeah. So that's what, him, that's what, that's, that's actually where I met Tim at the Hall of Fame award. Oh, get out of here. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we got the award at the same time. I got the award in single family. He got the award for multifamily. Never nice. met the guy till that day. So it was pretty cool. Ah, it's a crazy small world. But yeah. you know, me, yeah. me and him were talking about like in those days when I first started out and I didn't know anything, I feel like I was I was doing more. I was willing to go out there and try crazy things and put myself out there more. And I feel like the more I've learned over the years, I've almost pull back because now I know enough to like second guess things. And I'm trying to get back to, like you said, just yeah. not having to try and figure out the whole thing ahead of time. Just take a step today, take a step today, take a step today. And I feel like you're literally documented proof of that in the last 12 months, but you know, starting out in single family, um, talk about some of the things you guys did, because I, I like the story about how it took you a yeah. couple of years and then all of a sudden you just started crushing it. And then we'll move on to obviously transitioning into multifamily. Yeah, so I started, I don't know if I started backwards or not, but we bought a house to flip, right? We never wholesaled. I didn't know what a, a HUD was, closing costs were. I didn't know how much insurance was going to cost. I didn't know anything, right? Try to find a hard money loan and 
Anyways, my buddy charged credit cards on my machine. I charged credit cards on his machine at the same time, at the same location, the exact same amount. Can't do that, right? Can't do that. Uh, we find out later. We still got our money, but you just find out later, you know, that uh, we couldn't do that. But, uh, you know, we got the money, right? And we got enough for the down payment. And then we flipped the house, which I sold to a porn star, by the way. First flip I ever did was to a porn star. Talk about that. Um, <laughs> I actually did a video, and I'm going to upload it on my, uh, later on my Facebook page. Uh, a porn video? No, no, not a porn video. <laughs> yeah. The video about go, selling. About I, I selling sold it to a porn star. Flip. I did a video. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I sold it to a porn star. My very first flip. It was a great story, but we'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> now, now nobody wants to. Nobody cares what else I say, right? Nobody cares what happens next. It's a good attention, man. Yeah, so we uh, we flipped the uh, the uh, the property, made like 17k, and I'm like, man, if I want to make a lot of money, I got to do a lot of these. Start doing some volume. First thing was believe, right? Find somebody doing five a year. Find someone doing 10 a year, right? Eventually, we're, you know, I was doing over 50 flips a year, and I was wholesaling 80-plus properties a year. So that was within four years. That's amazing, man. You know, so I definitely want to hear about what made you get excited about multifamily because for most people, if they think of doing 50 flips and 88 wholesales in one year, that is to them obviously life-changing money enough money to walk away from your job like that success yeah. they made it but i think what you're finding which is what a lot of of us are kind of finding is when you do that in single family you start to see the time that you're putting into it and you start to go i can do less transactions with multifamily and make the same amount if not more money so although that seems like a success to other people it was kind of where you decided i don't want to do this anymore so what was it that made you decide to transition out of residential and into multifamily it's actually when i met tim when I met Tim Bratz at the uh, Hall of Fame Award in uh, Vegas a couple of years back, before he even before he even did any of his uh, training and coaching, and I'm like, "Who's this bald dude with the funky pants? Like, he had checkered <laughs> pants on." And then he said, "On," and then you know, I didn't know who he was. And then you know, later find out that he was going to get the award, and he's up there in front of everybody with a with a with a t-shirt that says, "You know, cash flow, you know, AF on a, a t-shirt." I'm like, "Man, who the hell is this guy?" Anyway, so he's like, "Hey, by the way, I used to do what you do." And uh, he said, just buy one apartment building and it'll change your life. And I just stuck in my head. That's so, amazing, man. And I said, okay, well, let's run some numbers. And then I ran the numbers for the first time. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, what am I doing? Right? I'm like, why, why, am, I, why am I spending one second more you know, doing single family? That, that was just me, right? Everybody's different, right? That was just me. And then um, it still took me like nine months to like really like say decide to do it, right? But I just got the bug in my mind. And then I went to his training and then I went to a mastermind, wanted to scale to 200 flips a year. And I look over my wife and said, let's just quit. Sold my single family portfolio. I just quit the next day and we started from scratch. So that's outstanding, man. I that's how, that. that was my transition, man. That was it. <laughs> well, really, I mean, coming down to decisions, I think it was yeah. you, you made a decision and you focused on it, which is a lot of what, what he talks about was he just changed his mind and say, okay, I'm just going to go after multifamily. So when you first got into this, though, and you decided to go and take that course and get into real estate, what was the reaction from your friends and family? Was there a lot of people that were negative or kind of laughing or did you overall have a decent amount of support? Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of I'm in North Carolina. My family's in Texas. Everybody's been pretty supportive. Um, man, I, you know, I've done so much, you know, business that I've not worked out. So for me, you know, I've always been a risk taker um, and my wife's always supported me, which is number one. Right. It's hard enough to do it. If you don't have your spouse or your significant other, your life partner, if, if they don't support you, man, it's such a, it's, it's a lot harder, just to be honest with you. Um, it's not impossible, just harder. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, I had pretty good support. I didn't really tell anybody that I paid 35K. <laughs> I didn't say that. I right? just say, hey, I'm doing real estate. I'm doing real estate. I'm doing real estate. I'm doing real estate. That's all I said, right? And I just immersed myself. And I quit my job like six months later, which is way too early. I mean, I did everything wrong. Everything you can do wrong, I did wrong. But anyways. Yeah, you know, sometimes though, and I've, I've talked about this before, but taking those like Robert Allen and Kiyosaki courses back in the day, you know, 15 years ago when those were out there, it was a show and they would come yeah. out and everybody was flash and money and you got to do this. But I never had anybody at that time when I was forking over all that money, tell me the bad side and the downside and the mistakes that they made. 
I had to learn those on my own. And to me, that's the most important stuff about sitting next to guys like you and Tim and going through these masterminds is, is having the truth of like, yeah, okay, I understand real estate makes you money and you can quit your job and you can have this great lifestyle. That's why I'm here. But tell me the real shit that nobody's telling me. Like, what are the lessons you learned that can stop me from making uh, from losing money, keep me from you know having those growing pains? So when you say you made all those mistakes, like I just I think that that's huge, and it's interesting to watch over time how you know us going through that and shortening the curve, and then we pass that on to somebody else and shorten the curve, and like people don't understand like the the value of the fifteen years like you and I have put into stuff like that that helps like putting that content out there and doing podcasts is just a whole other world than it is, than it was then as it is now. So, you know, transitioning into that, what was your first multifamily deal? Like talk through, like, you know, how did you find it? What were the numbers looking like? Um, Just a little bit of the analysis and overall picture of it. Before I do that, I'm going to make a quick comment about what you said. Sometimes I have somebody speaking to me and they ask me this question, brand new, right? And that's okay. I mean, I'll talk to people, you know, depends on the event. And then I answer the question and they don't even realize that I just gave them like the best tip ever. Right. <laughs> and then they're like, well, how do you find a deal? How do you find the money? I'm like, you did not listen to what I just said. It's way more important than looking for the deal and raising the money. Right. But you know, you're, you're new. Right. And that's the biggest, the biggest uh, misconception from the beginning, like raising money, finding a deal, man, there's so much more to it than th- those two, than those two items. And just to, to make your point, um, sacrifice, Man, I sacrificed my family, time with my kids, time with my wife. That was probably the biggest sacrifice that I did. So um, uh, moving forward to how did I find my first deal? Well, when you and I met in November uh, last year, I had just just a few weeks before, I had just pretty much quit everything. <laughs> and I kept telling myself, I'm going to buy my first one by the end of the year. I, I, I didn't know that it takes four months to close one. I had no idea, <laughs> right? And uh, I found a buddy who had a project going. I said, hey, what can I do to help? Right. So I did whatever it took to, to, to close that and kind of learn the ropes a little bit and then say, OK, I got it. Let's, let's start doing some new projects. And for me, the biggest thing is um, the purchase price. Right. So I'll just give you an idea. Right. Kind of kind of what it looks like. Um, so we bought a 72 unit. The first one we bought that I, that I helped out was 63 units. I was in Charleston, South Carolina. Right. Um, but usually the numbers, the way they work is um, I'll give you like the last one that we bought. Well, we bought a mobile home park. But before that one, sorry. Okay, 72 units in, in North Carolina in a small little town called Havelock, right, for $1.3 million. We're going to be all in for $2 million, maybe a little bit over $2 million. And the stabilized value is going to be about four point eight, right, $5 million, right, four point six. just depends on where we hit our numbers, right? So that right there, that, that's how the numbers work. And for me, I'm like, man, for me to make $2 million, how many houses do I have to flip, right? And this project take me a year and a half to two years, right? So just right off the bat, if you're going to flip it, you make 2 million bucks plus, right? If you're going to keep it, when you refinance, the bank's going to give me back 2.5, 2.6, right? And then I pay off the first loan, first investors, and you still have money left over, two, three, 400K, right? Kind of, you know, you know, pay your bills, right? So that's big picture. You know, that, that's a really cool thing. And again, I, I still do both. I go back and forth yeah. on stuff. I sold off some buildings and, you know, every day my, my opinion kind of changes a little bit, but definitely something that's exciting about that is if you go to flip a house and you go, I'm going to sell this in a year and a half, you're looking at racking up a ton of debt service, a ton of holding costs. It's costing you a lot of money and expenses over the course of the year and a half. But for these buildings, like, especially if you buy them with some cash flow and some people in place, when you're talking about holding that for a year and a half, and then selling it and making $2 million, you're also sometimes making 10, 15, $20,000 a month. Oh yeah. You're plus cash flow. That. Oh, that's right. Man. Yeah. Plus cash flow. Yeah. I mean, that's not even in the return and just bonus. Yeah. It just, it's yeah. just a nutty thing. And that, that's kind of where I'm dealing with, with uh, a building that I'm selling right now. It's a 24 unit and the owner just keeps saying like, take your time closing. I'm in no rush, which, which is kind of like a double-edged sword, but they're like, I'm, I'll just keep making the 16 grand a month. Like take as long yeah. as time as you want to close. So yeah. just change the game up a little bit different. But, you know, I tell everybody, as I'm sure you do too, that especially on the single family side, I tell people, look, everything changes after you do your first deal. Like deals start to come to you. Money starts to come to you. You start to act different. So you start to attract different things. But when you do your first multifamily deal, things really change. So talk a little bit about how your confidence shifted and how your, your business shifted after you finally got that first one under your belt. I tell you what, it was a big surprise to me. You know, I figured that everybody that, that was that would invest in my single family, you know, at any point in time, I had three to four or five million, six million dollars out at one time, right? From private investors doing flips. 
you know, if I had 16 projects going at once in different stages, right. It, you know, it's, it, it adds up. Right. Um, but, um, you know, so it's, it's just, um, the, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. No, you're good, man. Uh, yeah. Talking about the, the big picture. Right. So if they didn't, I, I expected, that was a shock to me. I expected them to come along with the ride. Right. But I wasn't buying stuff in the backyard. I was buying stuff like in Oklahoma, right. In South Carolina. So that was a little bit of a shock to me. I guess they wanted to see, you know, how the transition was. And now everybody that invested in my single family is investing in the multifamily, right? After I did my first deal, right? So of course, the first one was always a challenge, right? It's always the hardest one, but it definitely changed your life, right? Um, just like I, when I started doing real estate, I said, hey, I'm buying single family houses. I'm buying single family houses. And then I just changed my language. Hey, I'm buying multifamily and buying multifamily. And all of a sudden people hear that over and over again. And then you got folks bring your deals. You know, people say, hey, I know somebody who's got money, you know, and you start connecting, networking, hanging out with like-minded people and going to masterminds, things like that to just create that buzz. People want to hang around people that are going somewhere, right? So they want to be part of the ride or be with you in the, you know, be, be next to you, right? So Yeah, yeah, man, I completely agree with that. And I think it's interesting because, you know, I, I do interviews with people that are, they're on TV, UFC guys, sports guys, athletes, all kinds of things. And I always use the analogy that a lot of the people that I interview are doing things that people grew up wanting to be. I want to be a fighter. I want to be a, an athlete. I want yeah. to play for the Yankees. All those people now that are doing these successful things all want to talk to me about investing in real estate. Everybody wants to be a real estate investor. And yeah. as weird as it is putting yourself out there, once you are and you're showing a little bit of success, it's amazing how many people that you would have never thought start coming up with, well, I don't have money, but I know a guy with money. How can I do this? How yeah. can I buy this from you? How can, you know, it just starts to go up there. And then again, it's just like you said, once you start getting your feet wet with some of these smaller multifamily deals, the conversation, I'm sorry, single family deals, the conversation always comes to like, you know, you pay them back and they're so scared while the deal's going on. Oh God, what's going on with that project? What's going on? Then you pay, okay, what are we buying next? Let's go for one of those buildings, you know, and now they want to, yeah, they want to yeah. go up and do it with you. So it's really cool once you start to, to do that. Are, are you finding a lot of the same thing? It's very rare um, for me anyway, that once we close a deal and pay somebody that they actually want to get paid out. Usually they just want to roll it right back into yeah, another project. Yeah, for sure. Right. And yeah, and those folks just get first dibs on anything new that we have, right? Especially the ones from the beginning that took that leap of faith, right? So, you know, they, they, they're, gonna, they're always going to have first, first pick. Um, if their project's up, time to recycle uh, their funds, then, uh, you know, they, hey, we got this and this coming up. What do you want? I want that one. Look, we already got a couple of investors, three or four, that already said, hey, every project that you have kind of is in for, you know, one share, one unit, which usually is about 100K, right? All, already, automatically. Right. Like the last one that we bought, we raised a million bucks, like 1.1. Took us like seven days. And, you know, I didn't really make a lot of phone calls, just a few text messages, sent out an email. It wasn't like elaborate, uh, you know, presentation, nothing. It was pretty, pretty simple, like a couple of one liners, boom, 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 big nice. picture. And we got filled up right away. That's awesome. So now from, from that first deal, talk about your model and what you've been doing to scale up to where you went from one deal. To now, you know, it looks like you're going to be close to 700, 800 in the next, you know, three to six months. Yeah, for sure. Um, the biggest thing is uh, kind of get out of your own way, right? Like I know what I'm good at. So, and I know what I don't like and what I'm not good at. So just, just make sure you find the right people for the right seat. Make sure you find yourself somebody good in operations, somebody good at sales, you know, whatever it is that you need, you got to eventually start bringing that in house because um, if you do everything yourself, it's only so far, it's only so far you can go. So yeah, yeah, just bringing the right team around me. I love that. That man. takes a lot of work. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. You know, I, I know people come in thinking like, oh, I want to do things myself. I can do it the best. And, you know, guys like Mark Evans have beat me over the head with that. You know, Scott Hannes is good with that too. And yeah. um, Lee Kearney, but the, you know, I tell people, look, you can be the best pitcher in baseball, but if you don't have a team, you're not going to win any games. And, you know, having had that mentality of growing bigger, I think is huge. And obviously financing is a big piece of that. So um, one thing I've heard you say that, I've always echoed is the belief that, Hey, you know what? There's, there's people that are going to invest in a deal, but there's more people that are, are not really investing in the deal. They're investing in you because either they like you, they, they yeah. trust you. Or, you know, like when somebody says, well, Hey, what's going on with this deal? And I start to tell them, Oh, here's your cap rate. Here's your cash on cash return. Here's what you're, you know, you, you give them all the ins and outs. They don't really know what you said. They just know that you sound like, you know what you're talking about. And they go, you know what? Yeah. 
you sound confident, here's a check, because they like you, they trust you, or they have confidence in you. And I think that's really one of the biggest things that people don't understand at first is it really does come down to a relationship business. So how are you structuring um, your your lenders right now? Because I know you talked about giving a, a share, a share would be like 100 grand. So do you have like a fund and they're investing in a fund? And how are you putting your, your deals together financially? Yeah, so if we if we have, you know, 100% of the pie of the deal, right? Um, you know, we sell, you know, we give away 20% to the investors, right? So we might, we need to raise a million dollars. So for every hundred K you get, two, you get 2% of the deal, right? So at the end of the day, the cash on cash is going to be about 13 to 15% and your IRR is going to be 25% plus, right? Just because we have a good purchase price. We, we're buying a good, a good project. We're not overpaying for one. And I just on very simple math, we don't include like, cost segregation or depreciation later on or appreciation, mortgage pay down. We don't include any of that. We just straight up, how much, how much are we going to force the appreciation, right? How much is, does it worth now? What are we going to do to it? And what is going to be worth in two years? That's how we get your returns. Everything else is just bonus, right? Everything else is just bonus. So that, that's pretty much how we structure it. Is your, so your, your business model, what you're doing is for people who don't understand, it sounds like you're doing more of a value add where you're buying properties. Yeah that you can increase the value, which if you're f- familiar with single family, it's almost like the ARV of the property. Once you stabilize it, you you cut the expenses, you increase the income, maybe you raise yep. the rent, you increase the occupancy. Now the property is performing and it's stabilized and it's worth a lot more. Once it gets to that point, is your model to refinance that out or are you looking to sell these? Yeah, refinance out, pay everybody back and everybody, everybody stays in the deal, right? Now I'm not opposed to doing a three, five, seven year hold, right? And a nice property in a nice area you know, in Dallas holding it for five years and selling it. I'm okay with that. The splits are different, right? You, you, it'll be a different kind of splits just to make sure the investors get their, their good returns. But what, yeah, what, I'll, I'll- Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, what type of timeframes are you, are you putting on most of these deals for that? Like, is that already in there that like, hey, in, in year five, we'll make the decision if you want to be cashed out or, you know, whatever we yeah, do. Yes, uh, the goal is two years, right? Oh. The goal is two years. So it's, it's all the expectations on your investors, right? If you got some investors that they want 4% of their money, you can do a lot more with it, right? You can do a lot more with it. But if somebody's used to like eight to 12, you know, you got to get a, a good project, right? You, either you refinance, you get a better purchase price, or you may have to hold it for five years, seven years, wait for some appreciation, mortgage pay down, you know, some cash flow, and then you sell it, and then everybody makes the returns, right? Wants to get the money back. And I know you, you've mentioned, which I think is really smart. So you're, you're intentionally not really doing a preferred return because sometimes with that, you're responsible for the payments. Whereas on some of these value adds, you might not be actually making any money for three or six months. So talk a little bit about the difference there and how that's set up. Well, yeah. So every, every project's different, right? So, you know, if we can, we'll do a, we'll do a prep return, right? If, if the number makes sense, the purchase price, see, it, it all depends. Even though they're 60% stable, right? And you get a great, like this one that we bought in Havelock, North Carolina, it was 72 units for 1.3. It was already cash flowing from day one, and it was 55%, you know, uh, you know, um, occupancy. But it was cash flowing, right? Just and we got such a good, such a cheap price that it pays for everything, right? It pays to pay the investors, pays for the loan. Um, so you know, it just depends on the project. So preferably, I'd rather pay. Um, you know, you can you just got to get a good purchase price, right? If you can't pay, then you got to structure it different way where they eventually, maybe they don't make a lot of money the first year or two years, but the third year, fourth year, and then when they, when you sell, you know, uh, or you refinance, that's when they get the principal back and they make all the extra money. So they might not necessarily make money the first couple of years. Just depends, right? But for me, I'd rather they make money from day one, if possible. That's awesome. And again, I think that's a huge thing that was always attractive to me about commercial real estate is the ability to be creative and just find all these different ways to put together deals, which you don't really have those options like that on single family. So there's yep. more ways to include people, more ways to make money, which I think is really cool. So you mentioned something about, right, you know, obviously every deal is a little bit different. Things change yep. a little bit, but as long as you're buying it right and you have the right purchase price, it allows you to have more options and feel more comfortable in that. So finding deals is really a key point there and buying it in the right way. What are some of the ways that you're having as your favorite ways to find deals right now? Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, 
the real Mackenzie's, sworn enemy, the walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world, and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. So just a lot of networking, right? Um, you find someone, the, the biggest network you have, right? Somebody finds a project, they say, hey, can we partner together, right? Like, okay, what can we help you with? Can we help you, you know, fund the deal? Can we help you sign on the project? Can we asset manage? Can we do, what, what can we do to partner with you, right? Because there's, there's only so many deals you can look at. Even if you had a staff of 20 salespeople, right? You're still not going to see everything that's out there. But if you have a network of 2,000 people that know you're buying and they want to partner with you, you're going to find a lot more deals that way. So I think that's the easiest and quickest way, right? Besides calling brokers and pulling some lists and calling people just, you know, out of the telephone book, right? Every way works, right? Just, just not one way is better than another, right? You got to do them all. Sure. You know, brokers, I, I've always found it being a good resource for me. The, the problem I've had with brokers is the numbers that they give you are always completely inaccurate. Yeah. It's a nine cap and you're like, no, no, it's, it's, it's not. So, you know, are you having a similar thing that you have to go back and kind of train them on the way you're actually looking at numbers and really break them down and talk them yeah. all? The unfortunate part is people will buy them like that. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't really give a crap what you say. Like, hey man, you want 10 million? I'm at 5.5. They don't care because somebody will pay, overpay for it 10 million bucks, right? You know, I mean, it's been a hard real estate market. So um, at the beginning, their brokers will give you a lot of crap. You know, but once you reply to them and you email them back and you have a conversation, the deals start getting easier. And then once you close one and they find out you actually close, the deals get a little bit better and better. But it's, it's just so hard just to explain or just to start, not even to start. It just, it's like when you were 18 years old and uh, you went to get a credit card. Hey, you, you, don't, you don't have any credit. Can't give you a credit card. Well, that's why I'm here. I need some credit to get a credit card. Well, you don't have any. So it's the same thing, right? With like commercial real estate. It's like, you know, but once you actually close one, right? And the deals start coming in. Um, I'll give you guys a tip on uh, calling brokers, right? If you want to buy in your area, say you're in Atlanta, you want to buy only in Atlanta, right? There's a lot of, lot, of, lot of stuff going on in Atlanta. Hey, look, call somebody in Dallas, Texas and screw up. Call those brokers over there and just, just screw it all up. You know, let them eat you alive. They're going to know you're brand new because they can smell you in 10 seconds, right? But do enough phone calls like that where you screw it up. doesn't matter because you're not going to buy nothing there. Maybe you get lucky. And then call you guys, call your brokers in Atlanta. Once you're seasoned and you're being, you know, you, you've had a few rounds in you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. So, I, you know, I, I, I did that a lot that I was calling different markets. And I also, when I first started calling and I wasn't comfortable doing it, I would say a different name and working on behalf of my company. Like, hey, I'm calling on behalf of 123 LLC. Yeah. This is Mike. So if I screwed it up, I'm like, or if I didn't know the answer, yeah. I wasn't the guy. I was the guy behind the guy. So oh, let me just yeah. go back and tell my boss about that, you know, and yeah. just confidence up but i mean the worst thing that's going to happen is like you said you hang up you call back they don't remember you the next day anyway no, you know, everybody's yeah, worried yeah. like oh they're going to call every broker and tell them what did you no they're not no they're <laughs> not yeah they're not so um i know obviously now you're doing a lot of remote investing which has always been something that i've been yep. big on um have did you have to do a big adjustment what does remote look like to you as far as you know for for instance, like the due diligence. So I've seen you over the last year, you're on planes a lot, you travel a lot, around a lot, but obviously when somebody's just saying, here's a deal, you're not flying around the country and going and checking no. P&Ls and stuff like that. So talk a little yeah. bit about your problem. Yeah, so we get an LOI accepted, right? We'll try to get out there within the first two to four days, right, if possible. Um, just to start checking the property while we get the contract in place. And by that time, once we see it, we might not even do a contract or renegotiate or retrade the price, renegotiate um, right off the bat. But, you know, if everything looks good, then it still takes a week, 10 days, get a contract out. So, yeah, only we only fly out if, if we got an LOI accepted. And it's still not – it's not binding, so they can still back out. kind of sucks. But um, at least that's some kind of commitment, and we'll spend some time and energy to fly out there. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't want to be flying to every single project, right? So that's just something we plan with my COO. Like, hey, you know, what's in the future, right? Six months from now, a year from now, or three months from now, who's going to be taking over that role, right? So uh, even though I still want to see them, you know, I, I still think it's important. 
but at some point, you know, somebody will take over that, that side. Awesome. No, with COVID and everything going on, has travel been weird? What's that been like traveling around with all these lockdowns? Man, it's actually been so easy. Like no lines <laughs> at the airport. Literally dropped me off in the front of the gate. I got TSA and just walked right into the private jet. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I was traveling March, April, May, going through Atlanta. It was like a ghost town. It was like the airport terminals were empty. Now they're busier, right? Um, I took. I ended up taking, I had like 14 connections in September, right? So um yeah it was uh it was a lot of travel so knock on wood i uh, still been pretty uh you know you just 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 uh follow the rules right and uh you should be all right nice. i haven't got yeah. haven't got sick which is which is great i guess you're racking up those uh those miles on your point cards too right man are you kidding me i was like i go do you want to upgrade i'm like sure like you know but i'm like fine first class and the whole plane is like empty and like <laughs> yeah you're like the guy walking in doesn't see me like, yeah, yeah, go to the back of the plane, right? It's like, I'm in first class right now. Not really, but <laughs> it, it didn't matter. It's like, I'm first class. You can't give me, you can't give me wine. You can't give me coffee. Yep. What's the point? Anyways. Exactly. Now I get you. Now, as far as raising money and stuff, because of everything that's been going on with the election and the uncertainty, are you having any, any obstacles or is it harder? Are you getting any more resistance raising money from your investors with the current climate with COVID and the politics? Um. I mean, I'm sure there's been some on some on, on some parts. We haven't had any trouble raising money, which is great. Uh, we haven't had any issues, uh, and I'm sure it's, you know. I, actually, the biggest the biggest issue is if somebody commits, if they back out, right? So you got to have a couple of people on hold, like hey, you got two people or three people that on the waiting list because there's, there's there's just always been one person that backs out, like last minute for whatever reason, right? They can't transfer their IRA. You know, maybe their spouse is about to get that go from work. So there's always somebody that backs out. So just make sure you have the money in quick and you have a, at least two people on the waiting list, always. That's great advice, man. That's a huge tip. That's one of those ones you're talking about that somebody might yeah. go, how do I find, no, no, that, that's going to be the biggest thing. Is yeah, that and, and let me tell you, let me tell you why, because you're going to show up to the closing table the day of or the day before and the banks will be like, oh, by the way, you know, instead of a million dollars down, we need a 1.3. You're like, oh shoot, that's 300K. So if you got two two people on hold, you just make that phone call. Hey guys, ready to go like now, right? And um, and you fill that up and you, 100K, well, you know, hopefully you can, hopefully you have that in the bank. If you don't, find a third person, right? Yeah. But it's a lot easier to close that way if you have some people on, 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 on the waiting list. Definitely always better to have too much money than not enough. Yep. Cool. For sure. So my last question, COVID related, is are, are you dealing with any of these COVID appraisals? Because we just, um, we're trying to close this 24 unit and- you know, a lot of the, the appraisers are coming in, they're automatically knocking out a 30% vacancy rate for COVID, which is, I mean, your, your DCR has to be like freaking three something to even make the deal work at all. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I have not run into that. We just refinanced, um, we just got a loan on a property just, uh, gosh, what's today? Wednesday on Friday. So that did not happen. So just, I don't know, maybe it depends the area of the bank. I'm not sure the appraiser. The appraiser. Yeah, not, not, not sure, but when we got really rolling in the beginning, COVID hit, we had, we had a couple of deals that that our loans got pulled within a couple of days of closing. That was brutal. Um, but, you know, we've still, we've still grown through COVID, right? So I can't wait until COVID's over. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we're really going to crush it. We can do it. If we can get a bridge loan on a, on a distressed asset right now, right, through COVID, uh, man, when it's, when it's everything's kicking, uh, I feel 100, 110% confident. That we're gonna destroy it, we're gonna kill it. But have not run into that appraisal issue. Hopefully, Good. I don't get. I know. I know some folks have run into the part where they refinance, and they're gonna get some cash back, where the bank might decide to hold the first six months or the next year of mortgage payments in escrow, and then only give you the rest of the proceeds. So I've heard that. I've heard that. So it hasn't happened to us yet. So are you guys doing anything to stress test your deals against the turn of the market? Yeah, I mean, you always want to go, you don't want to be the highest rents, right? You want to make sure you get a purchase price. If you think you can get 800 for rent, just, just underwrite it at 865, I mean, uh, 765, 775, 760, see if the deal still works, right? So you can still be the cheapest rents and, um, and maybe the nicest building so you get the best tenants. So I, I, for me, it's always just got to get a good purchase price. Yeah. Yeah, I, yep. I tell everybody, you know, plan for the, if it works in the worst case scenario, you got a good deal in your hands. Yeah, for sure. And if you can, you know, it just depends, right? It's, it's just, 
if you get a good purchase price, you got like three or four different exit strategies. You can turn right around and sell it. You can, you can do a lot of stuff. Cool. So um, highlights versus lowlights here that, you know, obviously people are seeing you on Facebook and in the age of social media, you know, you're, you're signing docs, you're flying around, you're going and stuff. But, you know, again, they don't see, like you said, the sacrifice of not being yeah. around your family. And uh, one of the things I thought was interesting that we, we talked about was you went to go see one of your properties, which everybody sits there and they look on social media. Oh, cool. I want to watch this person. But you got shot at. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I got shot at. <laughs> it's not always Listen, so glamorous. <laughs> man, I tell you, we were, we took, we were going to, we went to see a property on Wednesday. I took my CEO, my director of acquisition. We just went to check up on a property here in North Carolina and I'm telling them, hey, we should get it. We should start a show how to flip apartments. There's plenty of drama. I got shot at, got it on video, showed to a property after we bought it. And then the, uh, the, the person's uh, property manager was like, hey, uh, by the way, um, you know, there was murder last night. Um, you know, it's like, you know, it, it's like everything you can think about, you know, there are, you know, it, it, no, I don't buy bad, bad areas. Right. So we just buy the worst property in a nice area. So we got to turn it right. We got to like turn it, get the bad tenants, the bad tenants out that the old owner had in there. And, uh, but yeah, there's plenty of stuff, man. We got shot at, I was driving at night, um, just to check the lighting on the, on the building, right. To see, you know, where do we need to add lighting? And some guy was, it sounded like he was drinking and just, fired at fired a shot at us so we'll see i was like what the hell it's crazy but see he's yeah. doing you a favor because if you're trying to get the tenants out and he's killing them now you don't have to evict them right oh man that was that was, that was terrible yeah that was, i mean it was bad i'm like actually what, there was a security guard on site we told them and the next day the guy was out i mean they kicked the guy out in a, in a heartbeat we told the owner like hey by the way we need a discount um but that owner was uh terrible i mean he called all these tenants animals right uh, when we closed he actually kept like $15,000 worth of money orders because we closed two days, two days late. So he figured that he, that we owed him $15,000. Like, what are you talking about, man? Uh, it was the guys, the guys, uh, the guys, something else. Yeah. But I mean, if it wasn't for those crappy landlords, we wouldn't exactly deals, man. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the deal I want, right? That's, that's what I want. Super cheap discount, right? That was going to be like a project's like a $8 million project all in. It's worth almost 12 million bucks. Once it's stabilized, that's in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think that one's right there. In Oklahoma. Nice. Awesome, awesome. With that bad owner. Cool. So masterminds, um, you know, obviously they're yep. they're big for, for me. They've been big for you. I, I've met a lot of great people like yourself and Tim through them. And obviously for me, the, they're they're cutting the timeline for me making my mistakes, cutting my losses for learning from other mistakes. Um, but they've also, I feel like been a double-edged sword for me personally, because you go in there and you're, you know, you're used to being a big fish, and then you walk around, and you're like, man, like there's all these people doing all these other things and you start to feel like you don't know shit, you're not doing shit. And, you know, but that pushes you to start pushing up, yeah. which, uh, you know, I, I think is really what you have to do is you have to get your ego around people that are doing bigger things so you can elevate with them as a group and being around people that are embracing that, not beating you up for it, but helping each other do it is obviously been a massive part of your business. So talk about yes. what, what first turned you on to, uh, to masterminds in general and how that's helped you over the course of the year. Look, these masterminds are like 30K, right? Somewhere costs more. And uh, so for me, like, I just had to get rid of my mentality, right? Like, oh, it's going to cost me 30K. Like, no, if you pay 30K and you don't make, you know, half a million dollars from that, don't pay 30K. You should not be allowed to go back. You know, the connections, um, the deal flow, just everything, it's, it's the same. It's really good, right? And for me, I, I've had this, I have the sayings, you know, it's one of my favorite sayings. Um, hang out with winners so your wins don't sound like you're bragging, right? So, you know, if you, you share your man, I got this 24 building, I got a 200 building, you know, 200 unit. I'm like, that's awesome. I raised 5 million bucks. That's great, right? Hey, in a way, I envy you in a good way. Like, hey, man, I want to be like, I want to do what you're doing, right? In a good way, but I'm not jealous. You know, uh, 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 I'm, you know, I don't feel like you're bragging, right? You're just winning, right? So if we're all winners. It doesn't sound like anybody's bragging, right? It's like, it's like you go to work every day, right? You know, nobody is bragging because they can't work every day. So that's just our work is a little <laughs> bit different. But yeah, the connections, right? You know, the connections with folks um, and then your belief level, right? You're hanging out with somebody who's doing 200 flips a year, right? You're, you're hanging out with somebody who's got 2,000 doors, 4,000 doors, right? Um, whatever it is, right? You just, you have a few beers, you hang out, and you're like, man, this guy's not that smart, <laughs> right? <laughs> You hang out with me for a little while. You're like, man, Javier can do it. Uh, I think anybody can do it. Look, I've never even read a book in my life, right? I was a high school push out, 
high school push out C plus student, you know, um, I mean, I've read a book in my life. It's like 16 minute read with a lot of pictures and big letters. And, uh, and that's it. I mean, I've skimmed through a lot of books and fast forward through audio, you know, audible books, but really never focus, sit down and read. Right. It's just not my personality. Uh, maybe someday I'll be able to do it, but I haven't done it. Yeah. I think to me, again, that that's one of the biggest things that you said right there is being around people and realizing that they're just normal people who are just putting the time in. And then you start to see that like, Hey, if this person can do it, I can do it. That to me was one of the biggest game changers when I was at the exact same thing like you, when I was talking to this guy yeah. and he had like bald head, wallet chain, jean shorts on, you know, he looked like he was the bouncer there, not an investor. And we were just going back and forth talking about what yeah. we we're doing. And he got an award that day for making $2 million that year. And I was like, that guy can do it. I can do it. And I started yeah. walking around and meeting all these millionaires. And I was like, they're just normal people. Like it's just, yep. especially now, like you see a guy like you or Stephen Ty Morris, where they're literally, you, you backtrack their Facebook or their Instagram for two years. You can see them go from day one to a hundred, 200, 300 units. Like there's no reason now to say like, it can't be me or I can't do it because you see That's people right. there. That scarcity mentality, I think, is is out there because then you start to go, oh, well, you know, I'm at this mastermind now and all these guys are looking for multi-units, so how am I going to get one? But again, just like the lending, I've heard you talk about how you've gotten deals that 20, 30 other people have called because they like you. So I think that's a huge yeah. piece to talk about. Yeah, for sure, right? And maybe they like me, maybe the next time they like you, right? You just never know. Just gotta, If you never make that phone call, you're never going to know. Right. So you just got to do it. One thing, if I could teach one thing would be just being persistent. Right. Just be persistent. Right. Just keep taking action every day. You know, if you're doing it once a month. I mean, I'm sure you'll do it. It's going to take you a long time, but just carve off some time. Right. Don't want get rid of the TV, you know, do whatever it is you're wasting your time on. You know, it's not making you money. Right. Stop cutting your grass. Pay somebody 40 bucks to go mow your lawn or 80 bucks and make some phone calls for an hour. Right. I mean, whatever. Just. Just, just, just got to be persistent. You got to take action every day. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent, not, not to be too off color about it, but it, but it's almost like a girl, you know, you, you see a girl and you're like, oh, she's hot. Everybody probably wants to date her, but she's not going to date everybody. Hopefully, you know, but you, you know, you say something funny, you make her laugh. She likes your shoes, whatever it is, you know, just the energy is different. You don't know. Like she gets asked out 10 times, but she says yes to you. It's, it's just like anything else, man. So you just got to throw the bat at it. You know, talking so to my, you've been talking to my wife, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, um, speaking of your wife, you know, so partnerships here, personally and professionally, obviously have been a big piece in you um, being successful and having support at home. I spent some time with your partner, Moo, as well, who's such yeah. a nice, very smart guy. Talk a little bit about um, how you picked your partners and what your roles are. Hey, look, the best part about Moo is uh, that he lives in Houston. I live in North Carolina. So I see him every couple of months. So we have a great relationship. So I tell my wife, honey, I think I should move out, right? I should just see you in the weekends. I think we have a better marriage. <laughs> she said, she said, no. Okay. So they didn't work with my wife. No. So yeah, Moo's, yeah, Moo's you know, he's a systems guy, like operator, you know, um, used to work in wall street. Uh, so he's got like his own unique ability, right. Which, which, which is great for me. Right. Cause we, we can feed off each other. Um, we kind of, we don't have the same role. Um, the biggest part with finding a partner is, even like in marriage or a relationship, right? It's just setting up the expectations from the beginning. Um, right off the beginning when everybody's happy, making sure that we're on the same page, same vision, same goals. And every three or six months, whenever it is, for us every six months, we talk about, hey, are we still on the same vision? It's still the same goals, right? Does somebody feel unappreciated? Like they're doing more work than the other person, right? And that's just something that you have to talk about. It's tough. You don't want to talk about it, but you have to talk about it. If not, you have all this remorse. And at the end of the day, I'll be like, hey, Nick, you know, we're partners. Okay. Do you still love me or you don't love me no more? Right. Just, just let me know. I mean, it's just at some point, you know, if you don't love each other, why, why work together? But if you're still working, the vision's the same, you have the same goals, everybody feels like they're getting their fair share. It's going to keep, it's going to keep going. And as soon as that, you know, the vision changes, especially the vision, right. That's, that's the time where you have to say, Hey, look, you've already agreed on it before. You know, if it ever happens where the vision changes, Hey, we just, you just shake hands and you go, each one goes your way. You want to end all relationships in a good in, in, in a good way. You don't want to burn any bridges just because you never know when you're going to be able to work together again. You might need his help. You know, hey, by the way, Nick, I, I need some help closing this deal. Or hey, Javier, I need some help. You know, I, I, need, to, I, I need you to help fund the deal, right? And we still want, we can still work together. It doesn't mean you got to burn your bridges. So I think, I think that's great advice. My buddy, Billy Graz today, he's been in uh, bands like Biohazard and 
stuff for like 20, 30 years now. He's been a big name in the music industry. And he always told me since day one, he said, I'm nice to everybody because the same people you see on the way up are the same people you're going to see on the way back down. down. Never know where you're going to come across. And so nothing bad can come from just being uh, nice to everybody. That's right. Um, so professionally, I know you and Moon, you have, you, I know you, you've worked with Jennings Smith, who I'm a big fan of as well, and yep. some good people there. But how important is it having that support at home and having a supportive wife who believes in the same vision as you? Man, it's a hundred. It's just, uh, I don't know how, I don't even know how to explain it, right? It's just so much easier. You know, it's, it's not, you know, easy, but it's just easier, right? Because everything still takes work. Everything, you know, um, you know, everything's hard work. You know, you're going to have any challenges. But, you know, if you're already together, you know, going this, the, the right direction, just, um, just makes things, um, especially if you're having a hard time at work, it's just nice to get home and not have a hard time at home, right? <laughs> if you're having a hard time at home, man, you're going to have a hard time at work. So it's very important. It's just very important. And it's, everybody has to be on the same page. Even my kids, right? I mean, I have to talk to my kids about it every once in a while and uh, making sure they're okay. Right? I, don't, I don't ask you for, for their permission. I just let them know, like, hey, guys, you know, whatever's happening, this is, this is what's going on. Right now, my wife, I say, hey, honey, look, this is my plans. Uh, you know, I, I love for you to support, you know, what do you like? What don't you like? And then we negotiate. Right. So I don't want you working Sundays. OK, then I don't work on Sundays. Right. Whatever it is that we got to negotiate, we negotiate. Man, I think that communication is everything in life. Yes. Yes, it is. Definitely is. It's a big deal. You, you, you would save so many problems. Everybody would just communicate. <laughs> just tell somebody how you feel. Damn it. Just just tell them. Shoot. Yeah. Right. The, it, it, the worst thing in your mind that's going to happen doesn't even happen. All right. It doesn't even happen. It so, is kind of crazy. Yeah. So with all these different things you have going on and having partners in different places, what tools or apps or softwares are you guys using to have visibility on everything that's going on on a daily or weekly basis? Um, so we use a uh, monday.com. That's like a project management software. That's probably the biggest one we use is, and Slack just to communicate between everybody. Um, and then George, our COO, he pretty much runs the operations. Um, it's my three favorite. My, my, if anybody asks me something, number one, my three answers. Number one is Google it. Number two is YouTube it. And number three is ask George. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I a like genius. It. The bases yeah. are covered. So uh, yeah. I know you have a dentist appointment to get to soon, so I won't take up too much more of your time. But this is uh, what I like to call the victory lap as we kind of wrap everything up and hit you with some final questions over here. So first one is going to be a two-part question. What's some advice should we give to somebody starting out new? And okay. what's some advice should we give to somebody who's already in the game looking to scale up? All right, somebody starting out new is just tell everybody you're what you're doing, right? And I've, I mentioned it a few times, just tell everybody – you're buying real estate, you're buying real estate. It doesn't matter if you're a mechanic. I was a locksmith. It doesn't matter what you do, right? Just tell everybody. Eventually, you're the guy doing real estate. I tell, I make this joke all the time. I said, if I tell everybody I have a third nipple, I tell the whole world they got a third nipple, it'd be like, yeah, Javier, the guy with a third nipple, right? So just tell everybody what you're doing, right? And then that's the best way to start. Um, and and, and uh, just hang out with the right folks, which kind of turns over to the guy who wants to scale. Right. If you want to scale, then you got to figure out who you're hanging out with, who you're listening to. If you're hanging out with the same folks that are in the same spot with you, you're going to stay there. So you got to level up. Right. And maybe some of those relationships you might have to cut. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but um, it's just part of life. And uh, you got to hang out with folks that are going to stretch you, push you and encourage you. Right. You got to network. If you want to scale, you got to network a little bit higher. I love that, man. Uh, I think with the negativity, that's a huge thing that, uh, I just was doing a podcast with this guy, Billy Alvaro. I don't know if you know who he is, but he, he's an amazing yeah. story. And he was saying every six months, he puts something positive into his life and takes something negative out. I think that those are very wise words echoing exactly like you said. Yeah. Um, what does a typical day look like for you? Uh, typical day for me? Uh, look, man, I don't have a typical day. People like get up, <laughs> meditate for an hour, go for a walk, work out. You know, it's, I'm not super structured, right? It's just not my personality. But um, I just like to be creative, right? I like to think outside the box. But usually, you know, my busiest days are Monday, just a lot of meetings, right? Just checking up on the projects or listening into our COO, um, you know, just take, take care of business. Um, talking to investors, you know, because raising money and folks that are bringing deal flow, right? Um, that's basically pretty much what I do all day is uh, talking to investors, bringing deal flow, put some stuff on social media and, um you know, schedule some, some time just to, you know, with my family, but it's just nothing. Uh, I think typical day is, it's pretty boring. It's not very interesting. 
Fair enough. What's the worst job you've ever had? Man, the worst job I ever had was KP at the Army. Basically, means uh, it's, I think it's called uh, uh, Kitchen Patrol. I guess I forgot what the name of it was. But man, you sit there for 24 hours or whatever it is, and you work in the kitchen like a whole shift and uh, washing dishes. That, that sucked. Maybe that's why I love washing dishes. I don't know. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> Real men wash dishes. I actually enjoy it, but I just didn't enjoy it in the Army. <laughs> Thank you for your service. I didn't know you are in the uh, Army. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I think it's it's funny that you started out going, I'm not a structured guy, but you're a military guy. Yeah, Usually, oh man. That, that, that was the worst part, you know? <laughs> it's like a slow machine. Like It's like, man, there's like 80 different ways to do this better. Why are we doing it this way? Because we've done it for 80 years that way. I'm like, man, like, come on, let's change it up. That drives me crazy. That's what I love about the, uh, you know, the, the, the people like you that are the visionaries is I can't yeah. stand the answer of we just do it like that because like, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into that. You know, just yeah. because you've always done it one way doesn't mean that that's how it should be done. So that does kind of drive me nuts too. And uh, so my, my next question was going to be, what's your favorite book? But from what I understand, you're going to be the first guy to write a book that's never read a book. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm actually going to say how I made a million dollars with never reading a book. All right. I'll, 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 I'll write the book and I probably won't read it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, oh, shoot. My thing. Oh, crap. Hold on a second. My phone turned off here. Oh, no worries. Oh, let me get this out. What the heck? Yeah, I'll be the first guy that uh, I'm going to write a book. It says, you know, I made a million dollars for never reading a book, right? And I probably won't read it and I'll write it. So um, it'll be uh, pretty interesting. But I did read a book. It's called uh, a Mikey and the Dragons by the Navy SEAL guy, the bald dude. Oh, we don't, uh, we, don't talk, we don't talk about him. He didn't want to do the podcast. Oh, man. Okay. I'm a big, I'm a Jocko Willing fan still. Yeah, yeah. So that's the only book I've ever read, man. It's super cool. You can be three years old, you'd be 70 years old. It's at the end of the day, the dragons aren't as bad as you think, right? Whatever, whatever stupid idea you have in your mind of of whatever it is you want to do, right? You think it is this big obstacle. Once you get there, you're like, damn, that wasn't actually that bad, right? That's why that's, I think that's the best book ever. And it fits me perfect, right? Doesn't mean I won't read, but my COO has to read every day. It's his job <laughs> to read. And I told him he comes work for me. He can't watch TV or watch movies. He's like, okay, that's fine. I don't watch TV anyways. All right. So, you know, he, you know, and I just, I just, uh, I tell him to give me a recap on what he reads. <laughs> just the cliff notes. I like yep. it. And Jocko's audio book, uh, Extreme Ownership, is awesome. Yeah. Somebody gave me that book for my birthday. I still have to read it. <laughs> Yeah, so he's the only person who's ever turned me down to do the podcast. So anybody out there who's got to connect to him, make him do it. We got to get him on. That's my goal now. Yeah, hey, just let him know. That's the only book I've ever read. <laughs> Maybe he'll come on. I hope so. All right, last one before I let you go. Knowing what you know now in life, if you had a time machine and a young Javier Inojo has come up to you and asked you for advice starting out, what advice would you give a younger you knowing what you know today? Hey, just in general in life or, uh, or for real estate? Just that, either way, whatever you think that a young you needs to know. Uh, let's see. I would tell myself uh, right off the beginning, right, that uh, I'm just to hang out with the right people right off the bat. I think if I would have hanged out, I mean, I was never a bad kid or got in trouble or anything, but uh, I just listened to the wrong people for a long time. So I would say, hey, watch your time, who you spend your time with, and what you do with your free time. That would be it, right? And it, you know, Figure out what you want to do in the future. You know, just some, if it's something big, something big, right? And if it changes along the way, it changes along the way. But that's fine. Just just uh, hang out with the right people. I think that's great advice, man. And obviously, it's worked well for both of us. So I will echo that as well. Okay, lastly, man, um, you are so easy to talk to, man. It's, it's really good connecting with you. You've always been really fun. Uh, you and I clicked right away from the beginning. So I think that that personality and your just good approachable fun energy is definitely going to help you get ahead in this business and make some great relationships. How do people find you? How do people work with you? Uh, social media websites, just talk yeah. about how, they, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, Facebook, right? My name, Javier Hinojo, is either me or my dad, right? There's really nobody else. Um, I have a Facebook group, a billion dollar multifamily and commercial real estate. Uh, you, you put a lot of content on that group. So you can pretty much learn what we do. You know, it's there for free and really and um yeah just facebook and uh the facebook group uh, we get some properties under contract too if anybody out there wants to um jv or looking to buy some some, some uh, multifamily, some of them don't fit our buy box so we put them on the facebook group 
Nice, man. And obviously, I'll, when I release this, I'll put links to your Facebook group and sure. all your contacts and there so people can awesome. just click and go find you for sure. But uh, man, this this was yeah. really fun. This was great. I cannot believe it's been an hour. I feel like we just logged on. Yeah. I definitely have to touch base more often and I can't wait for COVID. For to sure. be over. We can get back together to masterminds, man. I know you got the dentist to go to, but uh, any yeah. final thoughts before I let you go today? Um, any final thoughts? Say, hey, uh, one of the biggest things you said is just uh, make sure people like uh, you're likable and you're trustworthy, right? If, if you're likable and people trust you, you know, you're going to get a long way. You know, you, you, you're going to go a long way. Awesome, so. man. Well, Javier Noho, you definitely bring your A game, man. You're a class act. You're a fun guy. I appreciate you. And um, I'm very happy to see all the success that you guys are having. And I look forward to seeing more of it. Awesome. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Definitely, man. Have a great day.